Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. On today's show, we're joined again by Simon St. Laurent. On today's episode, we discuss the winners of Comic-Con San Diego, the finding of a new shape, the bittersweet tanking of social media companies, Twitter and Facebook, failing to grow revenue off of data, and much, much more. But before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. You can sign up for the UX Design Newsletter. It's a weekly list of articles and tutorials and inspiration handpicked by me, Christopher Schmidt. You can sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. As always, thank you for telling others about the Non-Breaking Space Show. Now, on with the show. Hey, Simon, how's it going? It's going great. Good. Figuring out all kinds of new things this week. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, what new things are you are you? Oh, I'm just digging deeper into CSS and audio recording and mm. just many different angles that I haven't gotten to. So Okay, cool. Anything specific about CSS? or uh, Fluid layouts and fluid typography and making yes. everything fluid. Cool, yeah. Uh, we haven't released the episode yet, but we have one coming out with Tim Brown talking about mm-hmm. flexible uh, typesetting. So his new book just came out on the book apart. So that was that was a good one. So that's coming out very soon. So awesome, yeah. Fluid uh, fluidness is pretty. It's a it's a big topic. So is there anything particular about that, or just? Um, I think I'm sort of approaching anarchist CSS, but I need to figure out quite what that means before <laughs> I go much further. So okay, I uh, know that's awesome. Okay, cool. Well, let's just uh, dive into our, our next stories or stories mm-hmm. for, for the for the week. Countdown number eight. So I think the uh, the it's Comic Con. It's Comic Con news all, all around. Uh, I always I've been to Comic Con a couple times, which is like uh, pretty intense. It's like a South by Southwest times three at the very mm-hmm. minimum. And so uh, if you go to South by Southwest now, it's it's overwhelming. But we go to South by Southwest, like you know. Like I, I went to uh, Comic Con for something, two thousand ten, and I was like, I get, I've been to, I've been to South by Southwest. I can handle Comic Con, and I was just uh, flummoxed by uh, how many people show up for Comic Con, and that was like back then. That was like you know eight years ago or whatever. So I saw them setting up for Comic Con in like two thousand three or four, and I was just like, okay, that's big. Yeah, so I was so naive the first year. I just like I bought a ticket, you know, before. They do like a lottery now that you sign mm-hmm. up and you have to like you have to log in, wait two hours, and then maybe you'll get a ticket. Right. And then um, so so I just you know I bought my ticket online. It was like hey okay cool. And then uh, so I show up you know the day before they open up and I was like, and there's this nice lady in this nice information booth and she was like, and I was like hey is this where we go to enter to get registration you know just get like my badge and stuff right like because I I've gone to normal web design conferences right. industry conferences I know what's going on. Uh, I know what's going down. I'm hip. And uh, and she looked at me like, yes. And then I was like, oh, so what time should I be here? Like like, like eight, nine? Or like, like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. And I was like, it was like the weirdest. Like, <laughs> it was like weirdest helpful conversation I've had. Like, she was being helpful. But I felt like there was like something she could have like talked right. about. So so next morning I wake up, you know, sleep in a little bit. Not even sleeping, but like, like, like hey, I was real well rested. Is what I'm trying to say. I go to the train, which is like right by the hotel, because I'm a mile away. 
Mm-hmm. And the train will take you just, it'll drop to you exactly in front of the convention center in San Diego. And so I'm like the only guy at the, at the rain, train stop. It's like, hey, whatever, cool, whatever. The first train comes loaded to the bear with nerds. Like, you can't, that doesn't even stop because they're so loaded at the bus, at this train stop. I was like, hey, that's cool. You know, I'll get the next one, right? I wait 15 minutes <laughs> and the train. The second train is just loaded again with nerds. It's just like, it's like, hey, I want to be on that train of nerds. Can I go? Like, and so uh, at that point, like, I'm just gonna walk it, and it's it's a mile walk, and I walk right to the spot where I met that lady at the information desk. The information desk is gone, but it's been replaced by a line of people, pretty much single file. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a line for the badges. Like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. okay, all right, cool. So I go follow the line. And then oh. it, it wraps around the building, which is, the building is, again, a convention center. So it's yeah. not a small building. So I walk around that. And then it goes wraps around the wall. It wraps around another wall. The line goes through a parking lot adjacent to the, uh, <laughs> the convention center. And then it goes, and it's on, a, it's on a harbor, right? It's like right next to on the, on the harbor, right? So it goes to the river walk. And then it keeps on going back and back. I walked a mile to get to that spot. I walked a half a mile back. Yeah, <laughs> to get in, to get in line for it to open up, and uh, you think I'd be upset, but no, I had a blast because like they were, I was people were in like cosplay and in mm-hmm. front of me in line. We just talked for like you know for long, and the line moved pretty fast because I've never been to a place where they literally had hundreds of people in front of computers whose job it is is to look at your ID, scan your barcode on your registration form, print out your badge ID paper. Mm-hmm. Th- throw it at you when it's as soon as it's done <laughs> printed, and give you uh, the plastic you know lanyard thing like the little thing you attach, and say next, and then you have to walk. <laughs> you have to assemble your own bag right? like right there. So uh, like, so yeah. So it's pretty huge is what I'm trying to say. But, uh, and that was like eight years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm not, not sure what that is. But anyway, so that's my Comic Con story. It's awesome. But um, yeah, so Comic Con big news is that DC comics uh which ne- which needed a win because of all the the bad movies that they've they've had but uh apparently they uh, they ruled comic-con this year and that was pretty much because uh marvel didn't do much of anything this year because <laughs> they're taking kind of a break yeah they're, they're well, sort of taking a break because um they're in the middle of uh infinity war like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure you saw infinity war or you know about it or spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet but uh uh, uh, people die in it, and uh, so and it's a cliffhanger. And so I think what they're doing is uh, kind of uh, they don't they they haven't really announced a lot. They've they've kind of announced movies that they, um, you know, before this kind of weird break that they're they, they're kind of like in stealth mode right now. So before mm-hmm. they launch the next uh, phase, of the Marvel movies. So so they're having a cut. You know, people know they have a Captain Marvel movie. Uh, so that's that's in the works. Uh, there's they know that there's another Black Panther movie coming and in, into the work and stuff like that too. So but so th- so you know there's a Black Panther's coming back. You know Captain Marvel's going to be there. So but they didn't want they haven't announced like you know they have untitled Marvel movie number right you know number X Y Z and stuff like that. So they they think they're releasing software. Yeah, they have a exactly. code name for it and then right. So uh, it's interesting to see what how they will announce everything. But it's Disney, so they will have an automatic promotion machine already put it in there but uh but yeah so yeah 
probably see, see what they do. But uh, but, if, but because Marvel wasn't there, DC kind of won. Uh, DC's owned by Warner Brothers, so so and you know LA is like two hours away from San Diego, so a lot of good pop in there. So the a lot of trailers were announced as usual with Comic Con, and so uh, DC released the Aquaman trailer, uh, which uh, when I look at that, just screams, "Hey, we're not dark." We're happy. We're having a good time. Because <laughs> that's a big complaint with with uh, DC movies so far. They've been really dark. Um, also, they've been bad. That's also the other. <laughs> the Lego sets are kind of cool, but I with with Aquaman being the light one, I'm kind of like, does this keep up Aquaman's reputation as a lightweight? No, no, it's well, I don't think so. But uh, okay, good. I don't know, but um, I think so. it's it's pretty fun, but. Uh, uh, also, like the whole thing was like, uh, even the trailer says like, hey, we're not dark. Even the title card for Aquaman is white background. So I, that's like, my first impression was like, we're not dark. See, white title card. It's, like, our logo is white background. Blinding. Yeah, it was like pretty good. So, um, yeah, so it's a really great. It's a, it's a good trailer. And then they also know tra- trailers for uh, Shazam, which uh, is a Comic-Con favorite is uh, Zach Levi, who stars in it as um, in it. So, um so it's pretty good. That's also very light. Uh, just the nature of Shazam, DC Comics, Captain Marvel is—he's uh, very light and uh, uh, like, I guess, light humor. I guess I don't know, like light-hearted. I guess is the way to say it. So it's you know very, very comical in a way, if, if you will. So the comical side of comics. Yes, exactly. So, and um, so that's pretty. That's pretty good. Um, uh, one thing I did notice was that uh, what was it? Was it? Uh, there's. Both the Shazam and Aquaman, I think, have two kids beating each other, like like they're like mm. they're being bullied. Sorry, not beating each other, but like right. being bullied. So I was like, weird. That's like kind of like because uh, Aquaman as a kid gets bullied by kids from an aquarium, and then mm. uh, Shazam uh, stops it uh, a fellow foster kid from being from being beaten up and some of that too. So I think. check it out, Arthur is talking to the fish. If you could have one superpower, what would you pick? Everybody chooses flight. You know why? So they can fly away from this conversation. No, because heroes fly. What, you need your fake family to stand up for you? Hey. Man, sorry about that. Go, go, go! Grab it! Get out the way! But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of weird both DC Comics movies have. Yeah, that does... That they're both from the same place makes me wonder, mm. but yes. But uh, yeah. So anyway, so oh, and also uh, DC Comics. Another thing that that made them win uh, DC Comics because they've finally announced officially their DC Universe, which is their sub- subscription subscription uh, streaming service. And so it's going to be part uh, digital comic books service, a new uh, TV shows. So if you if you're watch TV shows on CW. Like the Arrow, Flash, or what have you, they'll they have um, the like kind of T Titans version of it, and um, some other other new shows coming up as well. Like I think Doom Patrol, Doom, Doom Patrol is coming there, and then um, um, and also the classic DC Comics movies like Christopher Reeve's Superman and Tim Burton's uh, Batman. I mean, you could buy the DVD, I guess, if you wanted, but uh, I guess I don't. Know. But yeah, so but they finally announced that, so that's coming out. So that kind of like gives me pause. Like we can go talk about this another time, but I just feel like with all these subscription services adding up, you know, it's like it's getting more costly than cable, 
So in terms of... Well, yeah, I mean, it's the unbundling question. Do you want to pay for all the pieces or do you want this kind of giant blob of stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, my guess is that for the stuff that... For the stuff that I want to see, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't necessarily include DC, but totally could include parallels to DC, mm-hmm. um, the unbundling is probably going to make a lot more sense. We'll see where this goes. With that traditional cable bill, a huge chunk is going to sports, mm-hmm. um, which I am really happy to watch in bars and pizza places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I'm a little concerned that as the whole world fragments into like, 50,000 different individual subscription services. It's going to be hard to have conversations and it might get expensive, but uh, I guess at least in theory, we should be getting what we want more often. Yeah. I mean, there's also that start and stop like subscription model. So like just pay for what you want when you want it. And then, so like if you want, so you want stranger things season three, just like binge it. And then you, you know, you only pay for it for a month or something like that. So The other thing that makes me sort of happy here is that I trust buying content from the people creating the content more than from an intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like like I marvel at how much of my social media feed is filled with things that are, here's what's leaving Netflix. Like, <laughs> here's what's coming to Netflix. I'm like, there are people building entire companies on what's coming and going at Netflix. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of weird to me. Like, I... I still have DVDs. Um, I, I, I like having that, you know, I know it's there. I can put this thing in unless the kids scratched it or I did. Um, you know, it's 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 actually available. Um, and, you know, with DC, it's possible that something will happen to their subscription service and something will fall out of it. But mostly, you know, you got this DC thing. It's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I think there's going to be a solution where I think cable companies can come back. And say, hey, we'll give you your, you know, and they probably do already, but I don't, I don't really look into it. But like, we'll just manage your digital content, you know, entertainment for you. And so that's sure. I think with the Apple box, you know, Apple TV is supposed to be, and you know, you but you have to buy into the ecosystem. And so, uh, one app I totally love is uh, Movies Anywhere, which I think is owned by Disney. Or, and so, so if you buy an app, a uh, movie, or like maybe even TV show from a multiple locations like Amazon or iTunes or whatever, it all gets funneled into this one app and you can just watch all your movies in one place. You can download them to the app and, and mm-hmm. on the go and stuff like that too. I think that's a really great solution for that, but it'd be great if that was also like, like in your house too. So like if you didn't have to like right. rely on streaming, you could actually download into your, uh, into your, into your home network and stuff like that too. So, yeah. so it's a seriously fragmented world out there right now. So, <laughs> yeah, so there's going to be a service that's like come out of the box. Uh, I know you can actually piece it together with hardware, and if you be, if you have the time and technology uh, skills, you can actually like build your own PC and multimedia PC and do that. But, oh yeah, it's but, yeah. awesome stuff. I even have things that are meant for that, and I use them for boring backups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I think I'm going to try to investigate that and see what, see what we do. But uh, uh, just a couple more things from Comic Con that um, I don't know if you're, there's anything you want to talk about other than Comic Con, but uh, uh, the Glass trailer, which is a sequel to uh, M Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable from 2000, starring Bruce Willis, is coming out finally. Uh, I, but what I am questioning is your belief that you are something more than human. And yet, it is true. 
My bones break easily. I've had 94 breaks in my life. But you have an extraordinary IQ. This is not a cartoon. This is the real world. No way. And yet, some of us still don't die with bullets. Some of us can still bend steel. I've been waiting for the world to see that we exist. May I meet the beast? I hope for your sake that he likes you. That sounds like the bad guys teaming up. A lot of people are going to die. Don't do this. Are you ready? What do we call you, sir? First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. I enjoyed Unbreakable, I guess, as a comic book guy. I enjoyed uh, Unbreakable uh, when it first came out. And I feel like it, but it got kind of panned um, when it first came out. And then uh, Split, the movie came out. Uh, James McAvoy um, started. It was a really big, big hit. And it kind of did a stealth uh, sequel to uh, to Unbreakable, and so they kind of got. I think they kind of loosened the mm-hmm. budget uh, wallets a little bit because, like yeah. you know, they say, "Oh, it's a superhero movie. Oh, here we go, here you go, M. Not Shyamalan. Here's here's some money, right? <laughs> oh, you want yeah, Sam, you want my, Sam Jackson? Oh, here's some more money. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my fav- my favorite movie of his was widely panned and is unlikely ever to get a sequel. It was The Village. Which oh I'm yeah, okay. Sure, they managed to shoot on a much, 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 much lower budget than even yes. Okay, but, I uh, have to ask you, like, what about the village? Did you like that? You like? What did you like about it? Because it, it's so univers- universally panned. Like, I know, I know, it is. I, I, it's it's kind of funny because like uh, it's it's frequently panned for the stiffness, mm-hmm. and the actors are totally stiff. But I think that actually makes sense because the entire situation is uncomfortable mm-hmm. and is like from the beginning so it's i don't know it's like they built this really brittle place and everybody acts brittle and i know it's painful to watch that it's 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 really awkward that's what happens in these situations uh but it works um i think people think it's a mistake because the same kind of brittleness shows up in his movies when it's not necessarily the right thing to have Mm. um i love the weird little stuff they did with the colors Mm. um and the surprise, the surprise part was actually a surprise to me. Like I just, I had no context. I had no idea what I was getting into. I was wondering why they were all so uncomfortable with each other. And then, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's not a surprise on the level of I see dead people or anything, but it no, was, no. you know, it was, it was a very, it was a very weird movie that I think in a lot of ways is even weirder mm-hmm. than most of the rest of his so yes i have bad taste it's good uh, no it's all right no it's so not. actually i have the dvd of peter jackson's bad taste as well but that's a different <laughs> different story yeah so uh but yeah i think um it's sort of, i'm glad we have him night jamal just making these type of movies anyway so just just because um it's very hard to get a, i think original movie out there these days, <laughs> you know, original movies at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I just watched Mission Impossible six, and uh, to be frankly, it was really, really good. So, as an action movie, so it was really good. So, but I was like, this is a sequel to a sequel to a sequel. To a sequel. Like, and so, um, 
and uh, so yeah, and you know, uh, you know, Marvel movies are sequels mm-hmm. and to themselves. I, so I, I kind of like the consistent universe thing. Like we build this place and we can keep using it. Mm-hmm. But I'm a lot less fond when it's like explicit remakes or sequels that are really made just for the sake of milking it. It's mm-hmm. complicated. Um, another another trailer that just came out, I think at Comic-Con, was the, the Crimes of Grindelwald sort of mm-hmm. bigger trailer. Um, that's another one where like, you know, we have this whole Harry Potter universe. Millions of people have read it and seen it and know it. And now she's doing kind of wacky prequel, let's go back into this world what came before which sets up all kinds of different tensions especially when she like crosses to america um i'm really curious to see like how how far that can push mm-hmm. um in a sense like i i see that target now has a but my son was really excited because they had aragog's cave and he could get a giant lego spider um <laughs> like that wouldn't have been my first choice of set but okay um but I feel like we're sort of like in the season where things that were hot 15 years ago are suddenly hot again. And, uh, you know, does this keep working or do we at some point say, you know, I've seen this before. Why are we still here? So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, well speaking of sequels, uh, I think the uh, Rolling Stone said that the best buzz worthy trailer was the Godzilla King of Monsters sequel. <laughs> coming out so there you go you are out of your goddamn mind I am sorry but this is the only way pretty cool dude i must admit it looked pretty nice but uh i will say that when i first saw it uh i clicked on what i thought was the shazam trailer mm-hmm. and so the godzilla trailer opens up with a kid who you know uh, shazam is actually a kid who transformed into a big superhero so i thought oh hey this is a kid who's uh he's captain marvel is shazam and then like there's this big nuclear cloud coming his way top of and i was like oh man dc kind of just went weird and I love it. <laughs> and I love it. This is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, there's like this like Mothra, you know, like 2018 Mothra coming up. I was like, Shazam fights Mothra? Like, this is awesome. This is going to be great. I don't know where they're going with this, but I'm in. And then I see Godzilla. I was like, oh, I think I pressed the Godzilla trailer by mistake. So Wrong button. I was like, but, yeah. But I, was, but I liked your version. I mean, the, the crossover possibilities are awesome. And. I mean, even my kids are always mixing series constantly. It's like Star Wars meets Harry Potter meets these Warrior Cats books. I, I don't know. But. Yeah. yeah, that'd be kind of cool to see a DC Comics movie, Marvel movie crossover. That'd be kind of cool. He says that, and then people like Christ, like groan. But uh, I think the Godzilla crossover. I think that's the one we want. Yeah, I think so too. I just I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. 
All right. Uh, the next story. Number seven. 11% Americans don't use the internet. Yes. They are still using the DVDs I still I just mentioned, or maybe even VHS tapes or 8-tracks or 8-millimeter film is actually kind of back. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, is, this has always been interesting to me because, like, I got on the internet early-ish, like mm-hmm. 89 or something, with, took a year away from it, which was a good thing. And um, it's just so completely automatic. Like, I don't think I've actually explained to my kids what the internet is. They just grew up with this thing, and it's there. And maybe I'll sit them down and explain TCP IP addressing. It'd be great. <laughs> I knew there was a reason for this. Um, but... You know, I know lots of people who have chucked their smartphones for flip phones. That one is actually like really common, even if they're using the internet el- elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I found my flip phone the other day. I was kind of nostalgic about it, but the buttons don't work and it won't connect to a network anymore. So, oh, there you go. Never mind. Never mind. Um, but I think you know this is kind of a, a common thing with technology is that we think everyone is using it. We mm-hmm. build all of these systems that assume everyone is using it. Um, and in some fields, I mean, like healthcare is kind of the most obvious one. Building systems that assume that your audience has access to the internet will actually kill people. Um, or you build systems where, yes, there's a way around, but it's this grudging, oh my God, do we have to do this for you? Fine, here's the paper form. Um, you know, I think the 11% is, is Americans. Um, we are the most bathed in this, uh, this glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11% is way more than the proportion of Amish in the country. Um, and I've talked to, I guess the other thing that I would love to measure, but I don't know any way to do it. I mentioned the people going back to flip phones. I'm also seeing people who are doing things like departing Facebook and Twitter, but staying on email mm-hmm. um, or cutting their internet usage to one day a week. That's been kind of a strange thing. That's pretty awesome. Um, it works really well with the public library thing. Like they just take a day where they plan they'll be in the library and they cut their connection. And then, you know, once a week they have this buffet and they can communicate with the world. And as long as all your friends know it's going to take a week, that's, you know, it's fine. It's easier than the postal service writing a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, although the way to my mother's heart is, is handwritten. Thank you notes. It still works. Um, even though she's on the internet. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like this is something that we've assumed has gone away, but might actually be returning. Um, I'm, I'm a strange guy still having physical media, um, but I'm on the internet perpetually. So um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of relieved to see people doing it different for me. Any of your friends off the internet? Family? Um, no, I got uh, relatives who are off the decided to get off Facebook, and, mm-hmm. they, and they said like, oh, their pressure, their blood pressure went uh, improved immensely. So yes, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think people just realize like I think one of the things I realized is that being on social media and seeing how Twitter's grown, that people just I I think I've assumed that people have different opinions than I do or different points of view, which is totally expected, but. Mm-hmm. They had a uh, point of view about things that are totally stupid, you know, just like, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I would not be for that, uh, in any shape of the word. Like, you know, I just, that's just not my, uh, I, I, I'm hesitant to point an example where in case someone's like, 
Man, right. that guy, Chris, is really annoying about that. Um, but well, the, uh, the part that I've been amazed that is people have opinions about things I never thought anyone would have opinions about. So. Yeah, you know, it's just like, it's a, that's amazing. Like, you, there's, like, I thought we agreed. We all agreed that that was bad. I thought we moved on. It's just like, it's like, I don't know, do we need to spend more time on the XYZ issue? Like, I think we all agreed that was, that was bad. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I think the joke is like, uh, I think it's a joke um, uh, that uh, I share with, uh, uh, with with politicians, like when you know when when you know when they're in trouble or they're just trying to placate uh, audiences, like you know, I, I believe murder is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, oh, oh really? Uh, okay, that's great. I think I'm against murder too. I will vote for you because you're like it's just like. Oh, by the way, here are the exceptions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, know, but yeah, so um, but back to the point about like people getting off a. Of, I think, I think there's a social media diet and then there's a, this getting off cold Turkey. And that's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's, I feel like it made, it makes life easier uh, for people to just make things, you know, um, you able to research and find things out and plan things better. And that's what that's, that's always great. But then I think my pain point is when people implement uh, website solutions and they want you and they direct you to go to their website and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that one is awful. Or my yeah. other favorite is when I signed up for something on the web, and suddenly they will only let me use the app. Yeah. So oh, like, really, yeah. So like uh, yeah, yesterday, I went. I wanted to like uh, look up a past order on Amazon, and uh, I and the, and the app could not do this. Like I wanted the full title of the item I bought because. Mm-hmm. Amazon is terrible at uh, naming things because they put all the name because the search engine is terrible. So they put all the, every like feature in the item in the title. And so when they give you like, Hey, here's your email you bought, you know, and they give you like 16 letters and then like dot, dot, dot. So I right. need to know like what of this item did I buy back then? Cause I don't remember. And so I had to go back to the app and then online with my mobile phone, but they kept on like throwing me to the app. It's like, no, I know the app doesn't work because it didn't right. tell me what I wanted, and so, uh, so that was that was painful. And then um, there's a public uh, uh, service in Austin, and they're like, we have to pay the bill every six months or twelve months or whatever. And they mm-hmm. say like, hey, go to our website, which is to their credit, it's secure HTTPS, right? But I've gotten the habit of just like writing the domain name and then having it automatically forwarded to HTTPS, right? And so when I type in the domain name. It just like, just processes it like it just spins, right? And then it just times out because it doesn't go. To, it doesn't re- auto connect to the HTTPS, and so I'm like, what's right. going on? And and that same service, I think they fixed it. I think they put updates because they have a third party uh, credit card system uh, because they're government. Uh, is that uh, I had to hack the f- through Chrome DevTools ability oh. to. to uh, like select what I needed to in the in the drop down field because it wouldn't accept my Mac browser. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it was like yeah. this is it was very much you could tell it was PC only designed. So so maybe we could get back five percent of these Americans if the internet actually worked. Is that maybe? Uh... Yeah, UX uh, is real, y'all. Just want to meet you. That's like it's yeah, very, it's very important. So um, I have issues with people who who throw that around like it's like like it's uh like a i don't know it's ux this ux that and without even without actually doing the research but yeah i think ux and 
think about the user and doing browser testing is always important. But uh, but yeah, but I mean, we went from like I read the story, but we went from like eighty percent people not on the internet to eleven percent not using the internet in the span of almost twenty years. So that's like that's a huge cultural chunk, you know, change. And one thing I've you know seeing this being on the internet since you know early nineties, almost like yourself, but uh, I just like one of the things I like. Hey, I wonder how America, you know, and the world at large is going to comprehend and deal with this this uh, change information. And it's I don't think we're doing it too well. I don't think so. No, I don't think we have. I don't think we figured that part. Yeah. out at all um i mean it's it's fun because like when i talk to people well first i have the joy of explaining what my job is <laughs> i can manage to explain usually that it has something to do with the web mm. um and actually it used to be that you know the classic complaint of the techie was that we had to fix everybody's computers because <laughs> you get all these weird questions right. and people have stopped doing that to me um yeah. I think partly it's because more of their interactions are on their phones and maybe i don't know um Maybe that feels more personal. I don't know what it is, but they do have like an endless collection of complaints about various sites and things that should work and things that shouldn't that uh, just don't do what they expect or things that were taken away. I think that's maybe the the biggest part. Mm. And then you know the whole social media conversation we just had. So um, I've basically taken to saying it's all my fault. It's, <laughs> it's much easier that way. <laughs> But, uh, oh man, I don't think you're like Atlas. Is you sh- shouldn't put all all of it on your sh- on your shoulders, man. And, it kind of slides off. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think um, my latest trend I've seen of, of annoying UX is uh, is that uh, while researching articles uh, for our show, uh, I was waiting <laughs> for the page to stop mm-hmm. loading to, to stop loading all the JavaScript in the back end yeah. so I could actually scroll the page but the and close the ad banner which which is sticky ad banner so even though it was scrolling it would stay there it would overlap the video which I wanted to see which is crazy because most new sites auto play a video and I don't really don't want to watch the video I just want to read the article and so by the time I could click close on the ad banner it had finished the video I had moved on to autoplay the next story which I didn't care anything ah, about yes. <laughs> so I was just like and uh, so what I had to do I actually backed out went to Google and just got the cache version of the story so I could actually scroll and, and read the story so. scrolling scrolling is very nice yeah. yes yeah when it works yeah I, think- I don't I don't honestly understand how we got here I keep being told that it's making people money but I don't see how and i don't understand why anyone ever returns to these things so mm-hmm. i don't know now you're convincing me that 11 percent has got a good idea yeah i think so too number six well speaking of being uh leaving the internet there's like uh there's a new story called uh burnt out millennials are quitting lucrative jobs so yes this one is is kind of funny i mean it's from the new york post and it's got a I don't know. The Post has an interesting twist on everything. Um, and it is kind of about the the lucrative jobs as a, you know, like the signal that there are all of these rich people that it would like to talk about and we should all care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hear a lot of millennials able to do this, but yeah. I guess that like the ones who did kind of hit the jackpot are finding the jackpot wasn't especially worth it either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't remember any articles like this for Generation X, though. I think we all no. just felt stuck. Well, and shafted, I thought, too. And shafted, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good combination. <laughs> stuck and shafted, yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm seeing more often, not just with millennials. Um, you know, working in tech has been... I don't know. I feel like I know I know people who've made it staggeringly successful, more money than they know what to do with. And then a lot of people who like focused on something, it turned out not to be quite the next big thing. And then they kind of got trapped um, on the outside. Um, I don't know. I, I sort of want like Fortune's Wheel, like as a icon floating in the background of my websites or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely feels like there's a lot of uh, people being pushed mm-hmm. and i think the the thing that i really like about this is that people are just saying okay enough i can step out of this yeah um you know even when i lived in new york for a while i knew people who had jobs that sound mysteriously like the the devil wears prada kind of story of the assistant where you're just working 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 all the time for very little you know, it's it's supposed to be glorious of course i mean obviously just to work there you must be blessed but yeah the reality isn't like that. So anytime I hear about people just stepping away and doing something better yep. or Different. more interesting to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, also like a lot of these people, I believe they just uh, quit their jobs and went traveling. And I think just, I mean, if you can do it, definitely go travel and I mean, just, you know, it just opens up your mind and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, to other cultures and to history, which is, you know, history is never my, my strong suit, but actually going out and seeing, Mm-hmm. You know, history is just, um, and talking to people just, it, it makes it come alive a lot, lot more. So the other thing that I like about this approach, and I guess I've seen some of this in like friends, fun employment posts. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess again, in tech, it, if you sort of build up a war chest, you can just say, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but people are taking, taking longer trips, actually spending some time in a place instead of just kind of seeing the highlights. Yeah. And that does seem to change their perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish there was a way to make this available to a lot more people. So, yeah, I mean, that's like one of the things we did with, uh, I the DevConf was actually, we wanted to try, we, we, we worked hard, I think probably maybe too much, but, uh, to find different and engaging locales. So people would want to come, you know, maybe they, you know, hopefully come for the content and this and the speakers, but, uh, but definitely want to come and see the history and, you know, and for that. But, um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people like you know following Instagram and you know social media. You know, I'm not sure if they're like you know that's you know in social media, so everything is great greater than probably what it is. But like they're spending a lot more time traveling and and stick sticking around and and and, and exploring really. Yeah, I mean the thing that I liked about your your conference locations was that you went out of your way to connect the conference participants to the location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I've been to lots of shows in like Orlando or Las Vegas or I don't know. It's like all of these places have their own virtues, but as conference places, they're just like super duper bland. Yeah. And the conference organizers recognize that and say, okay, we're just going to focus on the conference. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. Anything you can do where you're like, go someplace and connect, even if you're going there for work, just seems like a, big improvement yeah it's it's um yeah i just like you talk about las vegas and like one of my first web conferences was in las vegas 
And uh, it, I think it's my first time in Las Vegas. And I just, I enjoy the sheer, uh, I think, overstimulation of Vegas in terms of this is a lot of air conditioning. There's a lot of space, you know, but it was still like you're still a box. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a human in a box and then you're going to be served box lunches or whatever. So it just, it just didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was in a different world, I guess, which I guess is what Vegas is. And, um, but yeah, so I just, I just, I didn't feel like, and I got to other conferences where I'm in, I'm in the hotel, I'm sleeping in the hotel, I'm in the conference in the hotel and, and, uh, you know, hotels are great, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, just didn't feel like, we didn't feel like it's the same. I remember once I went to South by Southwest and I did it wrong. Mm. I, I stayed in the Hilton and I went to the convention center and I didn't really go any place else that trip. Oh yeah. Like I just crossed the street. Yeah. And that was like the dullest, most sterile South by Southwest experience possible. So that's funny. Cause they get you, you had to actually work for that. That's like, you actually had to work, make that happen. Cause it was, I was, I was just early. I was, I was speaking. I was early, oh, but okay. yeah, it, these days I know that seems like an impossible dream, but that was like maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Possible. Yeah. That seems like you would have to actually like, Oh, I'm going to like get my head down and I walk in there because like now it's like get smacked in the head with uh swag walking 10, 10 feet out. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, didn't want to do that. But yeah, so it's, it's pretty good. Like uh, people like, uh, I do want to read someone's uh, quote here. Uh, I quit and I have nothing lined up and I am bugging says Jessica, a 35 year old. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, uh, I was at point of my, I was at, I was at the point of like stay and wish I was dead or leave and be full of anxiety. So I'm not making fun of her cause I, she, she sounds exactly like I, I speak, I think so that's, uh, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes. So. Yes. A friend, a friend of mine just left an awesome job to do something that's what she's really wanted to do for years. And I just, couldn't stop being excited on the phone. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, cool. Okay. Next story. Number five. Hey, uh, Facebook forecast for the future. Suddenly, suddenly looks bleak. So well, what's going to happen if we can't tell all our travel stories on Facebook? I mean, mm-hmm. that what it's for. Oh, wait, I, that's I, Instagram. I think they come over and we get our photos on slides and we get a slide carousel mm. and get that, uh, uh, jelly dessert, jello dessert lined up mm-hmm. and just share us like share our photos the old fashioned way, like our parents, grandparents did. So I did that a few times, not my slides, <laughs> but other people's slides. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, on, on Facebook, I mean, it's not the 11% of people who aren't using the internet really. Um, in some ways it's the, like, how much further can they grow? There really aren't that many people left who are connected to the internet who aren't on Facebook mm-hmm. um, as a percentage. I know lots of people who are not on Facebook, but like the easy to reach crowd is, is declining fast. Okay. Um, I think a lot of us are less thrilled with Facebook than we used to be anyway. Uh, partly it's novelty, partly it's privacy. Partly it's the, sometimes they don't really seem to know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, it just like hit a wall. That was kind of amazing. Like it's not invincible. Yeah. Well, I think what I think reading a little bit more into it, it was that, uh, uh, you know, they, they have this you know quarterly conference call, like how well they did, they made their numbers and, uh, you know, everything was sounded great until the, uh, financial officer got on the phone, uh, a conference call with the reporters. There are several factors contributing to that deceleration. For example, 
we expect currency to be a slight headwind in the second half versus the tailwinds we have experienced over the last several quarters. We plan to grow and promote certain engaging experiences like stories that currently have lower levels of monetization. And we are also giving people who use our services more choices around data privacy, which may have an impact on our revenue growth. European ad revenue growth decelerated more quickly than other regions and was impacted primarily by reduced currency tailwinds and, to a lesser extent, the rollout of GDPR. And it's like, yeah, we didn't make make our our um, our estimates, and so, but he kind of like squeezed in there. That was like the GDPR, you know, the privacy yeah. issue. Was that uh, people in Europe were like, yeah, I don't really want to uh, deal with you until you're ready, until like you've make sure you're you're legit. Was kind of like the impression I got, and so make sure you're you're signed up, and then people. And they had, to, you know, basically everyone had to like re-sign up. We had a whole episode about it, but mm-hmm. uh, had to sign up and uh, re-up, if you will, and re-reaffirm. And some people just didn't didn't do that. And more importantly, the advertisers weren't re-upping their ads mm-hmm. on Facebook because they were concerned about that about their ads not being uh, into the privacy issues and stuff like that too. Also, um, you talk about like you no know, Facebook not knowing what they're doing it sometimes it's the part where like, they know what they're doing and they do it and it's not cool and yeah, they do it anyway yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, the letter from alex stamos that came out uh, which i guess he wrote a few months ago bef- well before he left um you know it was really calling for for change um the early history of facebook is not really encouraging in this either actually most of the history of facebook really isn't the further back you look at facebook the more terrifying it becomes on privacy um and the current history isn't great yeah. either. Um, yeah, I think- so, so yeah, his article says, I want to quote a line from it. It's like, we need to intentionally not collect data where possible. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the, that's the first rule of like, of security is don't, don't have information around that you don't need to have. Yeah. Um, and then nobody can steal it, but everybody likes to have these things lately. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, incredibly difficult thing to run. We have no experience in the world with this. Um, you know, basically, I'm trying to think like previous media stuff um, was all broadcast. Print was broadcast, television, radio. Um, there were lots of you know opportunities for kind of the, the round trip conversation, but they were mostly in like institutions like churches and governments and schools so different different kind of social so i'm not surprised that we have no idea how to do this Mm -hmm. um it is new and different and difficult and we really only have i don't know 30 or 40 years of experience doing this at all yeah um you can see some of the same problems in like the earliest iterations of the internet and then networks before that but there weren't a lot of people on those um but yeah, they got to figure it out and and fast, um, and not just them. I think the same. I think I think everyone in tech who touches social media has a lot of the same problems. Number four. Uh, well, speaking of other people with the same problems, uh, Twitter mm-hmm. also, also announced that they have a uh, their shares dropped ninety percent after reporting declining monthly activity users. So. Uh, that- that's actually maybe a little bit different. I'd love to see the. I need to. I need to research the details behind that. But that's. I know a lot of people who want to walk away from Facebook entirely. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are just doing less on Twitter. Oh, really? 
Um, yeah, it's. I, I know a lot of people who used to be really enthusiastic about their feed and kind of curating their feed, and you know, this was where they they found all of these cool things from people who were sort of mostly their friends. Um, I think some of it for Twitter in particular is the politics. I think Facebook really? also has this problem, but the conversations I have about Twitter are more like my entire feed turned into politics. I don't know what I did. <laughs> um, and so people are kind of checking in and using it as like a broadcast medium, you know, here's this thing that I did yeah. and kind of hoping it goes, but it's, it feels less conversational and the conversations are shoutier. Um, I don't know. That's that's the view from here. They may have very different perspective because they can see it much better than I can. Right. So, yeah, uh, they they blame that they're not going forward with a paid CMS carrier relationship. So, like back in the day, you could actually like have uh, you know, have your tweets texted to you, which I kept on as for as long as I could. Uh, and then it's like, oh, sorry, we're going to notifications for app and then they decided not to really develop their app anymore whatever, blah 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 and uh so but we're all here the app actually works a little bit better but um and then also i think they also run into the they cite the gdpr issue as well because they had to uh you know get that you know get that in place um as well and that they said that that affected about three million accounts um, okay. for all that and so but um, if, you, if you know, Twitter went through a whole purging of, of bots and, you know, uh, fake accounts. And so that was really weird. So they had this big hit in this reveal that they, had, they didn't meet uh, projections or, um, but they, uh, uh, they purged uh, 70 million accounts, but that was uh, not affected. That's not on the quarter report. So that's actually going to go on next quarter's report. So I think it's going to be actually worse going forward for Twitter. So. Um, in terms of trying to get back back on the on the right path, so and I know they've been going with that. I've always I've always wondered how Twitter stays in business. It's, it's I, I mean I, I know the business models and all. It just seems even more challenging than Facebook. Well, um, well it's too big to fail. I think is their business model. Yes, that is a terrifying business model. But okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and Facebook has a lot of the same bot problems. My favorite, I've kept the friend request around just because the name is so funny. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend request from Abby Botnick, and I'm like, Botnick name. Okay, sure. Who's doing this? Why? What? <laughs> There's nothing there. I just I just keep it around for entertainment, but it it reminds me. All right. Uh, next story. Number three. Amazon's face recognition falsely matches 28 members of Congress with mugshots. Including my congressman, who I went to high school with. So oh, really? right. I don't think it's really his mugshot, though. <laughs> uh, there's nothing better than using Congress mugshots to, or headshots with uh, to prove a point. It's like, hey, congressman, guess what? Uh, they will. This is great. This story comes from, I guess, the ACLU. Mm -hmm. about this and so i mean this is in terms of pr i don't i wouldn't say stunt but just in terms of pr of a press release it's yeah absolutely brilliant and uh uh so kudos to whoever put this idea together i just like i read this was like awesome i mean it's a great idea like to raise raise awareness about the issue but i felt like great job and and pulling this one off so but uh but yeah but but you you pulled this uh story to to my attention so i'm not sure 
Yeah, so this one is this one is also kind of a story about like we don't know how to manage the the technologies we've created. Um, in this case, though, it's, it's not just that. It's just that the facial recognition isn't actually that great yet. Um, there are tons of issues with uh, with training, uh, some of which have to do with like what the training sets were, how we decided these things were going to go, what assumptions we had going into them. Um, we seem to be really good at teaching computers our bad habits. And it used to be slow and painful through programming. But now with the machine learning stuff, we can just kind of hand them a data set and they can the computers can find all of our bad ideas and, and, and repeat them to us as if they were great ideas. Uh, the, eventually, I think we'll probably get past a lot of that. I think stunts like this make it really clear where we're failing and that creates, you know, at least in theory incentives to do better. Um, I don't, I haven't talked to my congressman about his reaction to this, but, um, I'm sure he was at least, um, unamused somehow. (laughs) Um, he's frequently unamused, but, um, yeah, I just, Part of it is just that the technology isn't nearly what we sell it as, and part of it is that we really have no idea how to fit this into our culture. And this is, I don't know, anything that touches on on law enforcement and is screwed up just seems a lot more dangerous. Let's screw up law enforcement at scale. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to my my previous point, like, uh, you know, uh, how do we handle these technologies that... uh, that we've created and, you know, and, you know, as America as a whole, like trying to deal with it. So I just feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's right for, for study. If not, I mean, I'm pretty sure there is, I'm probably looking to people who are, are I like to talk to people who've, who are looking into this more, but, uh, I think I'd mostly like to say on this kind of stuff, we should slow down. Um, it's not that we can't explore it. It's not that it's just rushing to production is like, whoa. I mean, I've worked on things that should not have been rushed to production. I, I've seen that, but none of them were nearly as potentially devastating as this. I guess the other story, and I've only seen like the headlines uh, on this one, is the, the Watson and cancer story that oncologists are, are saying that IBM's magical artificial intelligence on cancer treatments is producing some dangerous results. Hmm. Um, I would love to know more about that but I also was like, when they first started doing that, I was like, are they picking this field because failures are frequent anyway? I mean, that's just, woo, not where I would start. Yeah. <laughs> Let's work on like pizza recipes or something. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure the computers will tell me that we should all be eating Hawaiian pizzas and I can't do that. But no. But Just um, on, on principle, no Hawaiian pizza or just uh... no. I, principle and it just is so weird in my mouth i don't okay. yeah. but my wife orders them all the time and i it's a religious argument it, it's complicated <laughs> okay I, I i agree like before but now i, I converted and so I, i'm okay with the uh, white pizza so. number two yeah so scientists have discovered an entirely new shape and it's in your body right now just want to let you guys know so uh it's, it's called the scutoid is that how you pronounce it do you think Scutoid, scutoid, I don't know. Yeah, and so uh, basically the idea was like uh, theory, the working theory was that cells were kind of made out of a, kind of a, a prism, prism shape, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they somehow just like glob together 
And um, so, um, so, so the scientists, they released their paper and they said like, you know, they kind of w looked into it and like, um, and they discovered the shape and they didn't have, you know, even a name in math. So that's why they were able to say, Hey, it's a new shape altogether. And uh, yeah, especially that they fit together. I mean, that part's yeah, crazy. Cool. Awesome. And, and to describe it, I think I'm not sure is the best way to describe it, but like think of a, a rectangular uh, cardboard box that someone had uh, got wet and then decided mm -hmm. to dry real fast. And so you have this warping cardboard box with different shapes you right. know, and sides and the, to it. The top has five sides. The bottom has six sides. There's some funky connections. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of want dice made in this shape, but you'd have to use the bottom of the die to give you the results instead of the top. It's... It's very cool. Yeah, and so and so this unique shape allows them to join together and and grow, and so like that's why you're able to like you know grow from uh, you know like uh, just this you know embryo into this big human, pretty much because without looking like we're made of Lego blocks. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet. Uh, definitely, I, I think looking into the into the uh, into the article, and I think. Um, if we don't get buildings uh, in this shape in the near future, I think uh, we should uh, cancel all architecture schools because I think that's. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I just want dice. Let's keep it small. Oh, dice! Oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty I sure. can only imagine what Frank Gehry is going to do with this shape. Yeah. And so, so this I just found this article. I think it was just released like this, like today, that we're recording this. I think by the end of today, we'll have like you'll be able to download a a 3D printer file and be able to print print out your dice if you really want to. So. You're right. Just because I have faith in the internet, that's why you know we can't solve pol politics on the internet, social media. But I think we get your die, your your scootoid, so. your scootoid die. Right? In, what I really want is like a whole bag of them, so I can fit them together and like make curves and strange stuff out of them. Yeah, it'll be fun. You basically, you want Lego. That's what you're talking about. You want scootoid Lego. Well, I want Lego with outright angles. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because I like. When I do woodworking, 90 degrees is easy, so lots of my stuff just looks like yeah. that. But the stuff that gets me really excited is things that you can do that are sort of regular but give you curves and, like, organic shapes. I've been building paths in my garden, mm -hmm. so I'm, like, using sheets of plywood – not plywood, cardboard uh, – to to define the stuff. But then I don't want it to look like I just, like – put down a giant chunk of cardboard so i don't know skewtoid seem like the right answer maybe i can get mulch in that yeah there you go. maybe <laughs> plastic uh, mulch but yeah i think this is you're gonna see a lot more of the shapes because it looks i know i'm not sure if it's just because we're, we're made of skewtoids but it looks like a nice friendly looking shape you know so maybe we'll see those in uh you know a bench you know for a garden or something like that too that'd be pretty nice i don't know definitely go, go look for it i think it's pretty awesome Good look in the article. We'll have a link in the show notes for people for that. Number one. And our final story is that there is a lake of water on Mars. So, uh, yeah, so it was uh, announced that there is actually a lake, a buried lake, if you will, uh, beneath some ice, I believe it's uh, what you call it. So, uh, so there's actually kind of a lake. Um, down there, it's actually you have to scroll all the way. What I also don't like is that in mainstream uh, news sites, the cool parts of a science article are always at the last paragraphs. So, of course. So because you have to, whatever. But uh, it's actually the uh, 
the water is actually buried underneath uh, 1.5 kilometers of ice. And so in order, so basically we have to one, build a robot that go over there specifically designed for this mission. And then two, figure out how to build, drill 1.5 kilometers. That's a lot of drilling pipe to haul around with you. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, unless we send over some kind of massive mission, I think that that water is probably safe from us for a while, yeah. but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. So maybe we, you know, I think it's, I think we always get excited when there's water, like whenever we detect water, it just gives us these visions and, mm-hmm. and who knows, maybe the right thing to do in Mars is not to terraform it, but to live beneath the surface next to this giant water thing. And, uh, I don't know. That seems complicated, but Hey, yeah. Well, I did say like, um, 2001 has been, uh, restored, uh, and 70 millimeters going around, uh, theaters. So if you have a chance to, to watch it, uh, uh, my local theater, like the Elmo Draft House, they always, like every year they do, uh, they, sh- they show 2001. And so the last time I did it, I, you could sell, you could tell the print was not its best. So it was really great to come. And, and just, I think this past week, I just, uh, last weekend, I actually saw the enhanced. It's not perfect print because they didn't do any digital effects to it. It's actually a 70 millimeter print, but it's been chemically, you know, uh, preserved a little bit better. And so it's actually just, just a beautiful print. And, um, you know, it just you know, talks about life out there but that made me immediately go to 2010 which is a totally different style movie uh than kubrick's 2001 but you know there's this whole scene where like uh there's chlorophyll on uh on one of the moons so and um i think it's saturn was the moon on saturn is that right i or, think it was yeah yeah so on saturn and um and uh so they're tracking chlorophyll and you know it's like starts off another chain reaction for the space baby aliens to you know get all get all bent on shape for humans so but yeah, so like that kind of like then we discovered like oh there's there's water underneath Mars and so like I it's kind of curious so so got me kind of excited so hopefully in the future but uh, we'll be able to find more more existence life life but I mean we found um, but uh, we, we, this also kind of piggybacks off the previous claim that we found bacterial life existed on Mars before and so so if we were able to find life within this body of water that's buried underneath there I mean. I'm not sure other than being cool, what we can do about that. So I'm not sure, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely comfortable with it just being cool. Okay. That's actually the way I prefer my space stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. So I think that's a pretty busy week of news. <laughs> that's okay. It's been a busy week in many ways. Yeah. So this is, one of those weeks where I kept thinking that it was going to be an easy day and then so much kept happening. It yeah. just, you know, right. cool. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Simon. Uh, how can people find out more about, about Simon and talk to Simon? Well, all these places I talked about as if they're failing. Um, the easiest place to start finding me is on Twitter, S I M O N S T L. Um, that'll link you to my website. And, uh, from there you can find me on Facebook actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, just Simon St. Laurent on most forms of social media. Cool. Awesome. And I'm uh, Teleject on Twitter, T-E-L-E-J-C-T. And uh, see you next week. <laughs>